Well, good morning. It is uh, good to see the brave ones out today, right? It's uh, nice and cold out there. Nice to see everybody that's uh, come to be part of this. Happy New Year to you as we get ready to, uh, to celebrate 2018 coming in. I hope you're able to have a, a, a good Christmas holiday as well. My name is Jason Graves, and I am one of the ministers uh, here at Riverside. Our preaching minister, Corey, is on vacation with his, with his family, so I'll be filling in this week. Then he'll be back next week to start the new year with a new sermon series called Belonging. So we invite you to come back and uh, join us for that. But today we're going to finish up um, the Love Came Down, which is the series we've been doing for, for Christmas, uh, kind of talking about this story, um, really going all the way back to the story of the Old Testament and seeing all through God's story with his people, the ways that he has reached down in love leading up to, leading up to this incredible moment, this kind of story that he puts in place with, uh, with a baby, with the birth of a little baby named Jesus. And I've been thinking about that uh, quite a bit lately. One of the the great blessings that I have in my ministry here at, at Riverside is that I have gotten to stand either on this stage or down on the floor with many, many families at this church um, who have either just had a baby or just adopted a baby. And we stand here and pray words of blessing and hope and love over not only these individual children, but their, their families and their parents as well. And I've gotten to do that a lot of times with actually some kids that I can see in here uh, when they were infants to, to pray prayers of blessing. And I've seen people do that over my, my children as well. And every time I pray the same prayer, it's these words that I get to say over these, these children. I say, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning celebrating this precious child, this beautiful gift that you have given to fill in the blank. We praise you for her and we humbly ask you to bless her as she grows, to bless her eyes to see the world as you see it, her ears to hear your voice, and her mouth to bring praises to you. We ask, Lord, that you bless her parents, as they love her and teach her. And we ask, Father, for your blessings on us as her spiritual family, that we can lead her always to your voice and love her the way that you love us. Guide her, Lord, so that one day she can confess her love for your son and follow him forever. Amen. All right. A prayer packed with as much hope and envisioned future and faith that we can pack into it, right? We want to say those words over every child that comes through our doors to love on them and to, and to envision a future for them in which they are deeply connected with Jesus Christ. And I've been thinking about that um, quite a bit as I've been reading a story from Scripture, which is actually Jesus' baby blessing. He had one. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus actually had a baby blessing not too far off of the kinds of things that we do. And it's the Gospel of Luke, in the, in the book of Luke, this doctor, Luke, who came a little after Jesus, collected a bunch of stories 
about Jesus from eyewitnesses and people that were telling these. And, and uh, he gives us the most stories about Jesus as a baby and a kid that we have. And one of those is this baby blessing. And it happens in Jerusalem because Mary and Joseph, his parents, they're good Jews, and so they know what they've got to do. They've got to take their baby, their newborn baby, to the temple to go through the rites and rituals that he needs to to go through there to be blessed and dedicated. And there's several of those that they've got to do. We don't know what all of them are that, that they're there for that day. But while they're there, they meet up with a man named Simeon. And Simeon is the best of what Israel has to offer. He's as good an Israelite as you can find. All right? Super devout. Spends a lot of his time in the temple. Believes wholeheartedly that God is going to send a Savior, his Messiah, to come save his people, save God's people from the oppression of the Roman Empire. And he's so confident that that's going to happen that he believes, because he, this, the Holy Spirit has told him, he believes that he's going to see it. Or at least see the beginning of it in his lifetime. So one day the Spirit says, hey, you need to go to the temple. And so he shows up at the temple and he sees this couple. And they've got this little baby. And all of a sudden, he knows. I don't know how, but he does. He sees this child and and he realizes this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. It's this little baby. This is the salvation. This is the one who's come to save God's people. This is, this is it. And so he, he goes to this family and they put this baby in his arms and he holds this baby close and he says these words. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Remember, he's holding a baby while he's saying this. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, this is the the Lion King. This is this moment, right? This is holding up this baby and putting all the hopes and dreams of God's people on an infant on an infant this christmas uh we were at my mom and dad's house where my wife and i were sitting on a love seat and nestled in between us was my new niece who's just a couple of months old or a few weeks old and she kind of you know i had her kind of in the crook of my arm and she had fallen asleep and i was thinking about this sermon and i'm looking at this baby who needs us whose every need is supplied by us. And I'm thinking, this was God's plan? For the salvation of his people, it was a baby? Okay. Simeon Simeon understands all this to some degree. Simeon's this guy who, he's he's that guy that that, uh, if he had just left the baby blessing at this, it would have been really good but he kind of has to go one step further um, and make it a little awkward. That's exactly what he does. Because he looks down and he sees this mom, this young mom, Mary, and he leans down to her 
Um, and he says, and I'm thinking about adding this to our, our baby blessings here, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Y'all have a good day. Right? Man, that's what you choose to say, Simeon? You have this young mom there. She's got this baby and you say these incredible words and then you lean down and you say, hey, God's got amazing plans for this child. And he will do amazing things through him. But it will not be fun to watch. It's going to be really hard. And it's going to be hard because this this little baby is going to grow up and he's going to preach a message of a kingdom that's coming, a kingdom of God, and he will be rejected. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that their kid is going to be... We understand, right, that rejection is part of life. We get that. We've all experienced life. We've had little moments of this, probably to differing degrees, depending on who you are. It might have been that bad. I remember years ago when I got out of grad school, I was was looking for a job in a church. And I had applied to a lot of churches. I had done lots of of phone interviews and face-to-face interviews only to hear, you know, you're a little younger than we're looking for. We need some more experience, whatever it was. We just don't like you, you know, whatever the, whatever the reason was. Um, And those, those rejections started piling up, you know, leading up to one day, I came home from work. I was working at a print shop and I got home and my wife, Jackie was at the kitchen counter and she had the mail and she was thumbing through it. And she pulled out this one envelope and she kind of squinted at it and she said, do you know, do you know this church? And handed me the envelope and looked at it and I said, no, I don't, never heard of them. And so I opened the, it was addressed to me. So I opened the envelope, pulled out the letter and it was the kind of letter I was used to. It was dear Mr. Graves, um, nicety, nicety, nicety. We're sorry to inform you that your name will not be moving on to the next stage of our process. And I folded it up and I'm, put it in the envelope, and I turned to my wife and said, this is a rejection letter from a church that I did not apply to. (laughs) They are apparently launching preemptive strikes against me now. (laughs) Just in case you were thinking about applying here, please don't. And it was at that point, you know, things had piled up Really, we just kind of had to laugh at it, mainly because it hurts so bad. <laughs> it's like, man, I can't take another one of these, and then it take one from, I didn't come to you. You're just going to come to me and reject me. We know that rejection is part of life, and, and it's hard to take those, but you kind of get used to them to a degree. But then, then you have somebody that you really love, whether it's a significant other or it's your kids, and you watch them go through it. Oh, it's so much worse. There's, a, there's an added layer of pain there, right? To watch your kids be rejected. And that's the kind of thing Simeon's saying to this, to this mother. That's what you're going to have to witness. And I think it's okay for us to take a minute and go, again, this was the plan? 
This is the plan God chose to bring salvation to his people? A vulnerable baby that's going to grow up and be rejected? Sounds risky. This is a, this is a, a wild plan here. And so what I want to do um, for, the next, for the next few minutes is, is just offer a couple of answers to the question, why would God do this? Why would God choose a plan like this where his son was going to be this rejected? Um, and, I, and I think in doing that, I, I want to help set us up a little bit for 2018. Uh, but I just want to kind of offer, this is an exhaustive list, obviously, it, it isn't, but um, one of the reasons I think God would do this is to show us that true power comes from sacrifice and selflessness. That true impact come from, comes from sacrifice and selflessness. All right, I want us to think through this. If you were God, what kind of plan would you have chosen? If you wanted to save your people and get them out from oppressors, an oppressive government, how would you save them? You know, for most of us, it's, well, you bring in more power. You match the power of the oppressors, and then you take one step beyond it. You bring in the big guns. You're God. You can do this, right? Come in with the biggest, baddest army, with a, the biggest, baddest weapons, and take care of the problem. Just bust your people out. Angels on fire? I mean, that would do it. Pretty simply, why not? why not? Why not use all the power you have to get your people out of, this, uh, out of this situation? The problem is, we've seen how that works in life, right? How that kind of power kind of keeps getting overthrown. We've seen it in, in countries, right, that have a, a dictator in place, and, and at some point, this dictator wields so much power that, that a rebel group starts to form. And that rebel group gets bigger and bigger until they overthrow. They get more power. They have enough power to overthrow the dictator, and now they're in charge. And what happens? They start realizing this thing that they've created, this thing that they've taken control of now, they, they've got to protect it. They've got to keep power. They've got to keep in control. And so they slowly sometimes start turning into dictators themselves. And then another rebel group comes behind them. And you've got this cycle that happens of power overcoming power, overcoming power, overcoming power. You just find, find bigger weapons and more power and you go at it. Now, that's on a big, large, global scale, right? That happens in, in countries, and that's way far away. That's not us, right? But if you think about it in our personal lives, we do the same thing. How much of our time is spent building and protecting our own little worlds where we have control? And when, those, when that control is threatened, we change it up, and we, and we try something new to stay in, our, in power of our own lives, to stay in control. And what God's trying to show is that there's a different way. And that that way is in giving up that control. In humbly being selfless and making sacrifices. And the truth is, if I think about it, 
the people in my life that have had the most impact, true impact, have been the ones who were selfless and who made sacrifices for me. And if I think about it on a bigger scale, people I know in this world who have made the kind of impact that I want to make are ones who, who lived humbly and as servants. So somehow I know that. I know that that's true, but man, there are days when it's hard to get your mind around. And it's easier to try to hold on to that power, and God wants to say there's a different way. The second reason that I think... Uh, God chooses this kind of plan is to show us that love um, love is more powerful than and overcomes the powers that oppress us. So things like sin, things like fear, if you think about how much we're driven by fear, it, that, that can be pretty convicting after a while. Our fear of rejection and the rejections that we have felt in our lives um, and then ultimately, death, these powers that kind of lord over us, that affect us in ways we might not even be aware of, these powers that, in the, that are in the world, God wants to show that his love is more powerful than those things. Here's the problem. In order to show that, his son has to go through them. So his son goes through everything we have as humans to throw at him. Every abuse, every scorning, every to ultimately a rejection that says you are so not fit for this world that we're going to crucify you. That's the ultimate rejection that Jesus receives. And he goes through it all. And now we're skipping from New Year's Day to Easter, right? He goes through it all and he's killed on the cross. And then three days later, the story gets even crazier. He raised, he's risen from the dead. And he comes back. Well, now all those things that he's gone through, they couldn't hold him down. That, that love that he's shown overcame all of it overcame the powers of sin, the powers of fear, the powers of even death. Some days I can begin to understand how powerful that is. I've spent my life living into the truth of that. The truth of the fact that there is a love that's greater than your fear. Whatever fear keeps you up at night, Whatever fear drives the addictions in your life, whatever, whatever fear um, keeps you moving at a breakneck pace, there is a love that's greater than that fear. There's a love that's greater than the rejections that you've experienced. And I know some of you have experienced some pretty major rejections. There's a love greater than that. And there's a love greater even than death. Many of us have experienced incredible losses, but we do that with a faith and a hope that there's something past that, that there's a love that is greater than that. And that love is the love of Jesus Christ who has been through all those things and still promises you hope. 
So the final, the, the final thing I want to share about why God would choose to do it this way um, is because he wants to give us a choice. He wants to give us a choice of accepting this gift of love that he's given us or, I mean, what's the opposite? Rejecting it. Inherently, when you give somebody a choice, you're taking the risk that they could reject it. That's exactly what God does. He, he stands in front of us because he's loving, because he doesn't use power in the way we would. He's not going to coerce us. He stands in front of us and he offers us the choice, which is a gift in its own. And so the, the question is, what do we choose? Do we choose this kingdom that Jesus has come to put into place? This kingdom that's run on sacrifice and selflessness and devotion to Jesus Christ? Or do we choose our own kingdoms, the kingdoms that we've created? The ones that help us feel somewhat safe for a time. Which one which one do we choose? And that's the, that's the question that he asks us. And what it comes down to is, do we trust that the first two answers are real? Do we trust that sacrifice and selflessness is the best way to live life? The way to live life that it was in, always intended to be lived. Do we believe that Jesus, the love of Jesus is more powerful than all the powers that oppress us? Do we, do we believe those things? And if we do, what does it look like then to choose that? To choose to live into that? What it looks like is, um, it looks like saying yes and opening yourself up to it and then living into it. Living the same kind of life that Jesus has laid out for us. And some of us have made that decision on a bigger level. I think, um, you know, the... the through the, the ritual of baptism, through the, the sacrament of baptism, of, of making this bold claim that we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that his way is the best way and devoting our lives to him and becoming baptized into that. But that's, it's not just a one-time choice. You keep making that choice every single day. It's like when I got married. You know, we stood in front of a bunch of people. My dad's here. My dad married us. I decided to pad the numbers today by having like my whole family here. Um, got two rows of people. But um, my dad married my, my wife and I, and we said vows to each other. We exchanged rings. And we didn't understand fully what we were getting into. And every day past that, we've chosen to continue that journey together and to be married. And the same thing happens here. You say yes to Jesus' invitation, to this choice that he puts in front of you, and then every day you try to follow that. There's a story that's been going around uh, for a while now, a few years, uh, the story of Daryl Davis. Anybody know, this, know the story of Daryl Davis? Um, Daryl Davis is a musician, uh, African-American, and he, uh, many years ago, was, was very troubled, as, as he should be, with the fact that there were, were groups of people devoted to hatred of his race. 
that there, there existed groups like the KKK that, um, that could not like him even though they didn't know him. And he was kind of a go-against-the-grain kind of guy anyway, and, and he was a man of faith too, and he decided to try something. He decided to try getting to know some of these people. So he would set up interviews and do interviews with them. He would just kind of try to befriend some of these guys. And wouldn't you know it, he would sit down at a table or he'd sit down in an interview and he'd start talking to some of them. And some of these guys, they figured out they kind of liked each other. When they got past uh, a, a lot of the craziness and started realizing that the narratives they built in their own mind weren't really true, they could sit there and kind of get to know each other so. And he became friends with many of these people who were in groups like the KKK. And gradually, some of these guys that he befriended started stepping away from all that, from those beliefs. And in fact, he's got a collection of hoods. Hoods that have been given to him by people that have said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And they've stepped away from it because somebody took the time took the risk, took the risk of rejection to, to get to know them. And they started realizing that some of the things they thought weren't, weren't true. Now, I hesitate to share that story. Here's why. Because it's so big. It's so crazy and big. Like, not all of us have the opportunity to do something like that, or not all of us are going to. I hope there's some in here that do, that do that kind of wild, world-changing kind of stuff. But for most of us, that's not, that, that's not normal. That's not the everyday life. And so what does it look like to every day, every single day, choose this way of life that Jesus has risked everything for? And it's not one decision. It's a million little ones. Over time that build up. That's how God works to change our lives very often is as we're, we're obedient to him and we make these decisions one after another after another, our hearts start to change. And he builds something in us. Church, would you stand? So if it's a million little decisions that happen on a daily basis, here's what that looks like. It looks like waking up in the morning and deciding that I'm going to take a risk today for the sake of loving somebody else. It means take, making the decision every day to step away from building my own little world that helps me feel safe and instead thinking about encouraging, loving, and caring for others. And sometimes that looks... I don't want to dumb this down too much, but I think, this is, I think this is true. Sometimes that looks like simple kindness. Simple kindness, and there's a lot of moments in our lives when this is rare. That simple kindness that proves we are thinking about the needs and hearts of somebody else over our own. Those decisions, one after another, Jesus uses those to change our hearts. I fully believe it. Our Lord has been through all the things that we can imagine. 
He's, he's had the rejection. He's had the hurt. He's felt the fear. And he came out on the other side of it. And he turns around and he tells us there is a new and different way. And he gives us the choice to every day follow him. If we can trust that in him is real life. In the next few moments, we're going to sing a song and some of our shepherds and their wives will be around the auditorium. And if you want to talk to somebody about that, maybe you've never really made a decision about following Jesus. We'd love to talk to you, pray with you. If there's anything you want to be praying about, please let them know as we sing together.